to Minor 16 with me, David Lewis, the podcast where we bring you all the very best Apple news and some of the biggest names in the world of tech YouTube. And on this episode, well, we're not changing anything. We've got another massive name for you. We have got Brian Tong. So let's not delay any longer and welcome Brian to Minor 16. Hey, Brian, welcome to Minor 16. I know you're super busy, so uh, thank you so much for finding the time to talk. Oh, man, thanks so much, David. I really appreciate being on here and your time. So let's have some fun, man. Let's talk, shall we? Let's talk. So I'm assuming this is just a random guess, all my reporting skills going towards <laughs> thinking there was a Brian Tong before YouTube. There was. What was what was Brian's life before we saw you on YouTube and heard you on podcasts? Well, um, what I did was I went to school for broadcast journalism. So, But this is before, this is literally before YouTube even existed. So I'm, I'm a little old school that way. And so I tried to get a job in TV, in the business, like as a news reporter. And no one, I, this is what you do is you send out, you make a demo reel, you send out a tape to like mm -hmm. small stations, real small ones, Eastern Washington, the middle of Texas, everywhere. And uh, I didn't get a bite. People said, oh, you got a lot of potential, but you know, you're not, you're not what we're looking for. So I had to figure like, you know what, if there's a space for me in this media industry, I'm going to figure it out. Um, I ended up working on some local TV shows in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, California, that were kind of like youth magazine style shows as a host. And I think that's really where I was able to kind of cut my teeth and build like a skill set. I did go to school for broadcast journalism, but again, I couldn't get a job out of college in the field. So the two things I did was I worked at the second Apple retail store that ever opened in Palo Alto. It was Steve Jobs's Apple retail store. And while I was doing that, I was working on this local TV show. And I was just doing the two things that I love the most, tech and, you know, yep. as a more naive young person, Apple, because that's all that mattered back then, <laughs> not as much anymore. And, uh, and did broadcast know. journalism teach you how to be in front of the camera or was it on the side of reporting and journalism? Absolutely. I mean, I think part of maybe some of the skills that I bring to the table that are a little different is I love to interview people. I love to talk to people. You only learn that through um, broadcast journalism and reporting and things of that nature. I tend to... Even though there are rumors, I tend to treat them like I don't. I have an issue when people like treat rumors and write titles as if it's fact. It's a little, it's a little too much for me. So I kind of at least kind of tread pushing it to that line, but still treating it as like, hey, this is not official. Um, and so all those skills, doing it year after year, I think the biggest thing is just talking into a camera and doing it so much mm. that it feels so normal that it feels like people say, oh, if the way you are in person is the way that you are on your videos, and I'm like, that's how it should be. And so, and it is such a hard thing to do because I came from a background of radio. I'd never mm -hmm. spoken in front of a camera until about eight, nine months ago. And it is tough to feel yourself, to find yourself. And that's where you make it look so easy because we walk into your studio and we feel that we're with you. And it's this whole thing I was told about telling a story. And that's what you do so well. You're inviting, you're warm. And it's that conviviality that comes through in your videos, which is clearly a skill that you have taught yourself and worked hard at. Yeah, I think it's just um, it, part of it becomes comes from who you like. I think the biggest thing is we are all different people and who you are, if you can translate that the best through a camera so people can actually connect with you. I think that's one of the most underrated kind of most important things because we are all human, we are all creatures, we're social creatures, we wanna connect, we wanna communicate. And now that we're doing it more with our screens, I think it's more important to have a human connection. 
as much as we can. And so I think that's kind of stuff just comes subconsciously uh, when people watch my videos, if they do. And if and ultimately, I just want to make stuff that I would watch myself and enjoy, even though it's a lot of work and it's a lot of work, enjoy this process of being independent. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's where I started really, you know, in college, broadcast journalism major, did a magazine show, worked at Apple. And then after working at Apple, I actually um, basically saw what my former employer was doing um, at CNET and I sent a cold email to them and sent them my demo reel. And I said, I think I you know, could offer you guys something. And I think after a couple of meetings, it took about a year or so to talk back and forth. Then I got the opportunity there, was able to build a platform. And then when it was time to go, um, jumping into YouTube, you know, this is after YouTube, it's kind of already matured. It was, the good thing is that I had already developed shooting, writing and editing and mm -hmm. presentation. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, oh, you just read lines and that's all you can do. I had all those other skills. I just didn't have to use them. So now, you know, being a true like one man operation, um, that's why I say it's a lot of work. And, you know, I hope to eventually hire someone, but it has to be the right fit, you know, for me. But at the moment you do all of your own work. 90, script, 90, I would say 99.9% .9 once in a while I have a buddy who comes in and helps shoot some of my stuff when it's like a big review and I want to get lifestyle shots of me interacting with it outside of the studio because I just feel like sure. it makes it feel more alive. Um, but other than that, it's it's all me. So let's talk about your little uh, life and dalliance into retail then, working at the uh, Steve Jobs store. How did that, you just what, applied for a job and you were just working behind the counter there or what were you doing? Yes. You one of the genius? So this is when, okay, people have to remember at the time, if we teleport ourselves back to, man, what year was that? Was that around 2000 maybe, around 2000? Um, so Apple retail was a big gamble. There were only, at least at the time for us, uh, people that might remember gateway computers, gateway PCs, those were the only PC stores. And then there were uh, mom and pop shops that were hobbyists, enthusiasts for Apple. Apple decided to go into the retail market, basically leveraging the success of the iPod, quite honestly. That was where momentum was from consumers. If you look at the first articles about it, people, there was a lot of doubt around Apple making physical retail stores. Now, as a fan as a, who grew up with it, my parents are both teachers. So the way I was exposed to it is my mom would bring her Apple computer from school back to us right. during the summer and we would play games on it. And that's, that's, that's how I got exposed to the Mac. So as you grow up around that, um, and at the time, Apple computers dominated schools, at least here in California. I mean, those were the computers you worked on. You kind of grew up with them. And so when, mm -hmm. when you become a fan of this kind of ethos, when Apple opens a store, you want to be there. I mean, it was, a, it was a pretty big deal when they opened the physical store. So Palo Alto was their first California store. It was their second store in the entire US. I think the first one was, I believe it was called Tyson's Corner. And I don't remember if, yes, that was the first one. But I went to that store opening and I'm like, oh man, the energy here is awesome. Like, I just want to work here. So I got an application. They had just opened. I turned it into the person and basically they, after that first crew of trainees who went through, I think something like a two month or three month training process just for the Apple retail store because it was their first open. Um, they, they were looking to take on five more people. And I was that group of that kind of quote unquote second wave of five people. So I was really there. I think I started working there maybe two or three months after the store actually opened. So I was there very early on. And since it was in Palo Alto, Steve Jobs lived literally blocks away. So he would come in with his bicycle. He'd come in with his kids. <laughs> and that was kind of, that was honestly crazy, but we knew it to be a Steve Jobs' store. Again, this is the first time Apple did retail in California. So guess what? He was paying attention 
to what right, was happening yeah. at the store. He would just stand there for literally half an hour and observe where people were moving, how they were interacting, how they were flowing through the store. Were they going to the back? What areas were they hanging out in? Were they paying attention to the theater? Like he was, he was really trying to break down. Okay, what what matters here? What's working? And what doesn't? And he would just stand there for a long time while his kids would play in the little. There's like a kids island with these circular like Italian seats that were supposed to be like a thousand dollars. These little like cushy balls for the kids table but um so it was really fun and i think it was exciting but people were always super stressed out when steve jobs came in the store i was just gonna say <laughs> it must have made a difference to the working day mustn't it if you oh, saw man. steve jobs standing there it's not a, norm, a normal no day everyone work, feels it? warm and tingling it's like oh crap don't screw up don't screw up don't screw up it was yeah it was, it was different and so what was it i mean if did you ever get to actually interact with him to talk with him or yeah i mean there's a you know i've talked about there's a couple stories that kind of stand out to me. Um, do you want me to tell the stories? or yeah, Absolutely. Okay. If you have the time, I'd love to okay, hear them. Okay, so I'll start with the first one and then I'll do the second one. The first mm -hmm. one's kind of a fun one because um, there was back in the day, they used to have an actual register at the front. So when you'd walk into a store, you'd actually see a retail register to IMAX. Um, that would be the point of sale. And so after Steve Jobs would walk around the store, he came up and he had a piece of software in his hand and uh, there's a lady next to him and she was being wrung out and Steve Jobs was next to her on the other side. So, you know, they're both running their transaction and for a moment, the lady pauses and she looks at Steve Jobs and I was there. I mean, it's this all happened right in front of me. And she said, wow, you look really familiar. Do you work for Apple? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God. And the person next to me at the other register is like looking down at the keyboard like, holy shit, like, holy shit, like what? And it's like this weird, long, awkward silence. And then Steve Jobs kind of takes a beat and he kind of shakes, does a little head nod. He's like, yeah, uh, for the Mac division. And she's like, oh, okay, that's nice. <laughs> takes his thing, walks out of the store, goes back to his house or whatever. And then I'm all, I said to the lady, uh, you know who that was, right? And she's like, no, I don't. I'm like, that's Steve Jobs. And she said, oh my gosh, I feel so stupid. I work for HR. And I was like, oh my God. Like, it was so embarrassing. Um, well, I love the reaction. Oh yeah, I work for the Mac division. It was classic. It was great. It was so, it was so coy. It was so smart. It was so sly. So, um, but, and he really took a pause to think about it too. And it's just like, I don't know. It felt like time was very extended during that whole interaction. So that was a fun one. I mean, he's he's done things like he's even, because people are nervous around him, even at the register, there's been times where uh, he wanted to buy a piece of software and one of the employees at the time's like, do I just give this to you? Because like, I, it's like, no, he's like, no, just ring me out like normal. Because, <laughs> you know, they were new and they're like, um, what do I, so they literally asked him, do I just give this to you? <laughs> <laughs> that's some pretty funny stuff um so those are kind of like two small stories at the point of sale the biggest story though i mean this is not by any means to toot my own horn but it was a really cool interaction so um one day i, I was not only was i part of the you know it's normal sales staff but uh i would do the presentations in at the theater which was a big deal now it's kind of more an open format but it was called the theater so i do like classes for iDVD and iTunes oh, and iPhoto. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about yeah, like that, way yeah. back iMovie. The whole thing was to show the flow of how you use the whole iLife at the time. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From start to finish, photos, movies, DVD, right? So find out from our boss that some executives from Canon are coming from, from overseas, from Asia. And so uh, they said, hey, you know, 
we need someone to do a presentation. And it was really early in the morning. So I was the only theater present presenter on site. And they're like, oh yeah, also Steve Jobs and the VP of hardware at the time, Johnny Rubenstein are gonna be there. So if you, when you're younger or when you're back in those days, when there were Apple videos, there were basically like four people that were only in the Apple videos. It was, uh, actually Steve Jobs wasn't typically in the actual presentation videos. It was Ruby, Ruby they call him, Johnny Ive and maybe Phil Schiller back in the day. So mm -hmm. again, VP of hardware, the the head of hardware and and then Steve Jobs. So what they basically had me do is walk them. We went to a corner into one of the sections where there was a digital camera connected to a uh, G4 tower, a Mac G4 tower. Um, and we walked through the entire process of iLife putting music into the computer taking photos with a Canon camera that was connected to the computer, importing those photos in, showing them how to manage all that, then going to iMovie, showing them how to edit videos and how to add photos, then showing them how to make a DVD. Little, so I'm walking this whole process just like I normally do. Steve Jobs is, I shit you not, he's just over my shoulder on this right side. The two Canon guys are over here. Ruby is over on the right side. I, we were there for roughly an hour and a half to two hours. It was a long time. SJ would interject sometimes, but he actually really just let me present um, and talk mm -hmm. to, to them about it. And then when they would have questions, they would kind of do a little back and forth, but it wasn't, it was really, really me more presenting than them kind of just jumping in and cutting in once in a while. So was I nervous? I don't know if I was, I was anxious. I mean, I just didn't want to screw up. How about that? But I wasn't like, of course, yeah, yeah. Hands warm, mouth shaking. I mean, I'm, you know, it's that's just not how I've been. So, you know, these are people. So, do this whole long presentation. It's like, and at the end of it, Steve Jobs just all he all the only two words he said to me was, "Nice job," and he walked away. Good enough. Two hours. Good enough, right? Nice job. Um, <laughs> John Rubenstein, he hung out a little bit and talked to me and just said, thanks so much. Um, you know, he was more chatty. and uh, But that was, was crazy, man. It was crazy, but it was cool. So let's talk about you now coming towards, so you're working for CNET. And then when did you begin to have the idea about being your own creator and getting into this YouTube thing? How did all that come about? What tempted you? Well, I think... I think everyone, quite honestly, everyone that is working for a major site or a publication, I mean, I think the goal for a lot of people, if it, it's really hard, let's be honest. I mean, it's hard for me. The goal mm. is like, if you can work for yourself, although there's different um, stresses and difficulties and challenges that come with it, I mean, there's nothing like working for yourself, right? Absolutely. So yeah. if you can make that happen, that's that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, I was working at CNET, I was helping build their platform and, and be part of it. And it wasn't, I never thought I was bigger than them, never thought I was bigger than them, but I always said, hey, why don't we, because this is the way things are trending, why don't we spin off, have me do my own YouTube channel? Look, you guys get all the views, you get all the revenue, just, we still work together, but it, it doesn't feel like this single channel that has too much stuff and isn't specialized enough and doesn't have a personality attached to it. That's the way things are trending, but they didn't want to do it. They thought that I was just trying to leave the whole time. And I said, no, I, you know, I'm, I, I wasn't in a position where I could just at the time good be like, Hey, I'm, I'm out of here. Peace out. You know, I was still a young person. So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it's all, I think every person that does video for every site, honestly, if they could make a living on YouTube, they would, I think, I think, mm. you know, I really do. But that wasn't the situation there. So I think I ended up working there for 10 years. 
a little over 10 wow. years. A long stretch, yeah. yeah. And, you know, people told me, oh, make your own channel. I'm like, look, it sounds cool and easy, but you have to, are you shooting, writing, everything, right? I mean, getting benefits means something back then when you're a younger person. Um, and so mm. there just came a point where I really wanted to do it and my contract with them was up and it was just time for us to part ways. I mean, I think that time has shown the way that they've done things hasn't changed. And, you know, I wanted to be really make these, I didn't want someone anymore who literally had no experience with video tell me how to make videos. Ultimate, yeah, That was probably the most frustrating thing that, I, um, and you have to, you know, there's always a chain of command, but uh, I was, if you have literally no video experience and you're telling me how to make videos and my videos are performing better than any other videos, that's kind of an issue, right? And so- That's old, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was time, it was time to go. And so that's what I did. Um, I'll tell you the first two years was really hard, but I just put my head down and, you know, committed to it. And, you know, I'm at a point where I can, you know, pay the bills and the rent and everything. And I have an amazing community that has continued to support me, which I'm super grateful for. And was, it was weird how excited people were for me to leave CNET. That was what was surprising. And uh, they wanted know, to see you under your own banner. Yeah, your own yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. I think the other thing that really stuck out to me is I know the video process before I left to go independent. And mm. I always respected YouTubers incredibly. And now that I am, you know, in that space, I respect them 20 times more than I did before. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I hadn't started it trying to do this YouTube thing until September of last year. And like, you know, all of us, I sat there watching it and a piece of camera. It looks so simple, doesn't it? How hard can a talking head be? Then you sit and A, you try to be comfortable in front of a camera. Then you try and edit it, try and trail a story, try and everything else that goes behind it that you just don't realise goes into making a watchable video. And it's like, I guess if you watch Top Class Sportsman, it looks super simple until you try it. And it's always, that's the breaker, isn't it? Whenever you try something, you realise how freaking hard it is to make something look good and seem easy. And there's learning experiences along the way, right? Even when sometimes, <laughs> you might have a good one, then you have a bad one. And then also the mm -hmm. whole idea of like, some of our success is based on an algorithm that we can't control that can influence how you feel about making videos and how you feel about yourself. And so I think the biggest thing for me was to get past that hump and try and, you know, basically make things work on my own terms and not obsess about the numbers, even though the numbers are a metric that measure mm -hmm. if people are watching or caring or distributing your things. There also has to be a point where you have to let that go or mm -hmm. to to actually perform better and do the things that you really enjoy. I'm I'm curious from your perspective, you know, you talked about coming from radio, um mm. what has been what has been the biggest challenge for you personally? First of all, not obsessing too much about YouTube Studio. Mm -hmm. I think it's a novice mistake. I look in it way too often and it hurts like hell when a video, you know, one video I might be lucky gets two or 3,000 views, next one I get 25 mm -hmm. and it's okay, what have I done? What have I done wrong? And you take it very, very personally. That's been tough. Um, the whole editing process I found incredibly hard. I'm beginning to get my own style. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but at least I've got a workflow now. Um, and the, 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 the telling the story thing, I come back to that again. It sounds like it should be so easy. You start at the beginning, you go to the end, but it's not quite as simple. It's a skill. It's a skill. And there's a certain amount of acting to it. And uh, and that took a, 
in radio, of course, it's very, I was late night radio, so it was always very intimate. Mm. And you were close to the mic, and it was the, the light, nighttime voice, so you know. And you could, you could turn that on at the, yeah, absolutely, you could turn that on whenever you needed, you know. It's the radio voice, but you, you're used to that. Um, but suddenly with YouTube, where it's, you know, that people could be watching it all times of the day, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beast to try and not obsess over. What are, what, and, oh, sorry, keep going. No, 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 no. Sorry, please ask. No, no. I was, I was. I want you to finish your thought, though. I didn't mean to interrupt you. So you said there's a beast. <clears> then the, the 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 YouTube studio. It's good and bad. Uh, it gives you everything you need to know, but then it ends up ruling your life. And I want. I mean, I'm lucky. I've got another business. I've I've got a graphic design business as well. But I would love this to be at a point where it monetizes. And I'm not saying I want to get rich by it, just to pay a little bit of the bills, you know, because it's not cheap doing this whole thing. Um, so I've never went into it starry-eyed thinking I was going to be some huge, great sensation, but just because in radio, funny enough, it was something I resonated with what you said when you were sending your showreels out. Before I started the YouTube channel, towards halfway through lockdown, I sent off showreels to a lot of radio stations over here in the UK. They're all corporate and they shut the door. They just used the voices and the talent they've got and they weren't really open to the idea of bringing somebody else in. And all they were doing with those voices was using them six, seven days a week, two hours a day. It was boring. And I thought, okay, if that's the way corporate radio is going, and like you, I wanted to do something. I'd always work for myself. Mm -hmm. So the idea of YouTube actually resonated with me perfectly because I was used to sitting alone working anyway. So that side of it, which I hear a lot of people struggle with, that's been okay for me. But I'm enjoying it, and I'm not going to give in. And there have been days, like you said, you wake up and you think, man, I, 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 I tanker this. I, I just shouldn't be doing this. And you think, okay, everyone says, and you just said it a moment ago, actually, you know, the first couple of years are tough. I've only been at it under a year. September, my first video went up, and you know it's the learning curve is is kind of sheer, isn't it? So it's a wall you're climbing. So there's been so much to take on, but I am enjoying it. And every day I sit and shoot a video, and everyone says the more you shoot, the better you get. You can watch videos on how to all day long, but you've got to get out there and hustle and do it and take the knocks. It's it's true. So, it's it's a it's a um video is about repetition, right? I mean, you'll end up. Mm. I think the more like I'm always my hardest critic, but then the more that I see myself, at least from how I think, you know, what we perceive ourselves in my videos, then that's a good sign, right? The more that you feel mm. like you is a great sign. And I, I love hearing what you're saying because like these are all things that every creator goes through. Whether you're like people may not think this, but the high tier creators, they grow they're they're just as like insecure as the upstart cre I'm I'm serious when I tell you this. Like even if they're making buco bucks, it does like they're they go through those same kind of mental struggles. And someone might say, "Oh well, it doesn't matter because they're still making money." And yes, they might be, but if if you think that they're just like sitting pretty relaxing, like they're just as stressed out about they're a lot. You know, a lot of people will do anything to just feed the algorithm exactly how it works. And I. I did that before and it, it did work for the most part, but I, I need to enjoy this. I, quite honestly, I've always been of the school of thought. I need to enjoy what I do, whatever that is. I mean, you're, you're 200 or approaching 250,000 subs now. So at what point did you know that this was serious, that you can make it a full-time hustle? I think I was honestly, the only reason why I was, I was fortunate enough to build a platform at my previous employer where people wanted to still follow me. That's, that's the difference, right? If you're someone who is starting like you from the very beginning, it's all about getting content out, repetition, polishing it, getting better, then getting people to see it and then keep on doing that, right? It's- Well, you'll laugh at this because I didn't know any of the characters. You know, I've, I've got to meet you all over these last few years. 
And I was looking, I was, when you compare yourself to others, which we all do, and I looked at Rene Ritchie, didn't know who Rene was at the time, mm -hmm. hands up, had no idea of his background. And I, I was saying, well, look, he got 100,000 subs in a few months. What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. And uh, okay, he's got 10 years of journalistic experience and everybody in the industry knows his name. Exactly. As you say, that, that kind of helps to give you a little lever up. But when you, when you start, and nobody knew me at all, and, you know, still don't, but... Yeah, I didn't realise, you know, somebody like Rene and yourself, you've got that journalistic background, you're in the trade, in the game already. Yeah, that makes a huge Clearly that make that makes a oh, huge it would do. that makes a huge difference. And um, you know, I mean we we all know each other's peers. I just think that it's um it's just really important to I after I hit, you know, when you asked me, Oh, how did you know that I was gonna be able to do this? I, I was I was, trust me, I was super scared. Like it was, I didn't have any, I didn't have any backup plan per se. I'm like, I'm going to do this thing and give it my all. And, um, you know, I, th I think I found out after, I think, even though you, here's the thing, let's be real. People make, people with 250,000 subscribers, it doesn't, I, I can't make a living solely off of YouTube. I can't, that's just a fact, mm -hmm. you know, um, you'll, you'll see over time, like, you know, you to for someone just to make money purely off of YouTube, uh, you, I don't even maybe even five hundred thousand subs. It subs doesn't matter quite honestly. It matters on how, mm -hmm. who's watching your videos. There's plenty of people mm -hmm. that have a million subs that my videos do better than. So it's not about subs. It's about who's watching what you're putting out there. Um, mm -hmm. But it becomes like building a platform, building a voice, and then brands finding you and kind of resonating with what you do, and then being able to make better money through these brand deals, but it's all about, and then it becomes about relationship building, right? Um, of course, yeah. So there's there's a lot of different tiers and levels. So as you are starting, right, you're building that foundation, you got to keep building that foundation and things will continue to kind of grow. And then, you know, a brand might reach out to you and that's that's like the first start, like that's the coolest thing, right? To get a brand mm -hmm. to be like, hey, you know, will, will you do an ad integration? And for me, Yes, I'm at the point where a lot of companies hit me up, but I have to really enjoy the product and actually like it. Or it's a brand. I love it when a brand that I've used for years has reached out to me Comes because to I'm you. like, of course I'm going to do it, right? And people mm. will be like, oh, don't sell out. I'm like, if I've been using this product for like five years or I bought one of their products on my own, I'm going to do an ad for them. Like, <laughs> That's just how it is. So um, I do feel very fortunate to actually be able to make it work, but it's like a lot of different buckets. It's my podcast, it's my YouTube videos, right? It's brand deals. It's even being able to be fortunate enough to like host freaking CES. Like that's, that's crazy. Like mm, I always mm. wanted to go to CES, Consumer Electronics Show as a kid in high school and to be able to host it, like those are those things that, you know, it takes me back to remind me of like, oh, wow. I mean, I always am grateful and thankful for it, but it's like, oh, wow, like that, that's kind of crazy that little skinny Brian was able to kind of do that without without that kind of being the goal. That's really cool. And you mentioned your podcast, I, and I, I guess it's because my audio background. I almost prefer your podcast to video. I just love audio. Always loved audio. You know, and how your brain and like can processes it, right, and what you can do while you listen to it. Exactly. That's the thing. And I, you know, I go out walking a lot, and so I can take you with me, put in the AirPods. And I've got your voice in there. And oftentimes, we might, I might have spoken about something that you happen to talk. You know, it's a small world. We're all talking and looking at the same feeds and finding the same info. But it's just lovely hearing somebody that enjoys audio. And also, your audio quality is... Thank I you. 
Thank you. I mean, you obviously put some work into that. I can tell it's not over-processed, it's not over-compressed, and it sounds vibrant and clear and real. And, you know, that's all those, that just makes the whole experience that much nicer. Because you do a weekly podcast, yeah, of course, Yeah, yeah. So you? it's like... You're episode like 250 or 300, aren't you? Or? I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's right up there. It's, it's, it's right up it's, there. It's, it's pretty, I mean, it's, again, like, it's weird to, you know, I'm, look, I'm fortunate enough, like, the reason why you and I are talking is like, you're getting, you're in this field now and... You've seen like that. I've been able to kind of at least um, get have some success numeric right by numbers. But again, like I'm, my hope is that I put out quality content. People figure it mm -hmm. out. The numbers will hopefully take care of themselves and just enjoy the journey. And I think that when people say, "Oh man, you're having fun," that's the that's the best you know, that's the best thing to hear. Like, oh, oh your like you're voice fun, lights you know? up. Yeah, it lights up. I or mean, like, I say particularly on the audio, it just, there's so much, you know, you can tell the energy when you're recording it. So it comes through. And talking about something unique about you, let's talk about Return of the Mac. <laughs> One of my favourite videos of last year. Now that looked like a lot of work. I'll put a link to it in the show notes to this, uh, to this video. It, it's, it's almost like a, a mini promo, isn't it? It's it's a, it's a it's a production. I mean, the lighting, the angles. The, I mean, that must have taken some time, right? Those, Was that all your work, it, your idea? I mean, yeah, yeah. How, so, how so what happened is back in the day when I used to work at that other place, uh, one of my things was always like my goal was to make one music video per year because I'm like I'm like corny and cheesy and campy, and I love doing like quite honestly, Weird Al Yankovic influenced me a lot growing up and so he did the michael jackson take yes didn't yeah he? yeah he did like the thriller take. Yeah, 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 yeah 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 he did eat it. He did we're showing our age yeah. <laughs> that's it eat it yeah and yeah it was hilarious, he, yeah i remember right? him now in the, in the bad orange suit and yep. pool tables and, and he did yeah. tons but i think that was kind of the most iconic one that people will always remember um but so you know i come from from that era and you know i love to sing i'm not a professional singer by any means but you know the whole idea is that my brain that is truly where I can be the most creative is and kind of merge all my passions. And so like it started back at the previous place. I did videos for like AirPods, for iPhones. Uh, like what what's um what's the one that people like? Uh, oh, I did one for iPad. Like um, The Weeknd had a song. Uh, what's it? Feel My Face. I can't feel my face when I'm with you. One of those. And so I did a, yeah, yeah. I, I did a video about that. I did iPhone videos. And so Return the Mac, I've been sitting on that idea for a while, but I've been waiting for Apple to release a true new Mac that was worthy of a music video. Like I have other songs in my back pocket, but I kind of, I have one for this year, but I would say from start to finish, I mean, I'm sitting on this stuff months, six months, a year. I start writing the lyrics out. Once I change the lyrics, when I'm when the product comes out, I change the lyrics so that it's relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, uh, oh, iPhone 12 came out and uh, I did an Old Town Road music parody. You should check that one out. That one's actually- uh, really Yeah, cool. no, I think I've seen, because when I saw that one, I then obviously thought, oh, you must have some history. So I went back yeah. and looked at some other yeah. ones as well. Because that, is that the country in Western? Yes, it was the country Western. I went yeah. to a ghost town, um, a, a cowboy town to shoot that. Uh, it takes a lot of the, the, literally like I have my friend who comes and helps me shoot it. I was going to say, you must collab with that surely because there's yeah. all the different angles and yeah, shots yeah. are being taken. But yeah. like the yeah. concept, the writing, um, even the concept of the video shoot. Um, obviously I have my shooter to help me once we get there and to kind of feel some things out. But again, it's just like 
my brain. And I think that quite honestly, look, they don't get the most views, but my audience really appreciates it because they're like, oh, this is you, right? It's unique. Yeah, like yeah, this exactly. is what makes you you. And I think that's important to find like, what makes you you? Like tap into that. Don't be afraid of it. Who cares if people are going to watch or not? Like I put videos on my channel just to see how the audience reacts sometimes. And sometimes it catches on, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes out the algorithm sucks it up and it does well. But I just want to try new things. This is not a knock on anyone, but I want to cover more than just Apple tech. And so I do deliberately knowing that it might not be the best optimal thinking for the algorithm in my channel, but mm -hmm. I don't care. Like I just don't want to be at the mercy of the algorithm. It's kind of one of these weird like philosophical things that I have that I feel like make is important for me to champion for myself, not for anyone else. And I don't, you know, someone says, oh, they have more views than you. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. And obviously the, the videos like uh, uh, the one we're just talking about, Return of Mac, are the unusual ones. They're huge, like year-long projects, as you say. But if we just talked about your productive process, so I think I saw a video come up this afternoon, actually, just before we recorded. So I need to watch that tonight. Um, but say, if I was to call it the, the treadmill videos, you know, the everyday videos, the two, three... How how does your productive process go about that? Do you have the idea, then do you sort of put it into a, a storyboard and work it all out? Yeah, I mean, what I really do is I just have a Google Doc that's like an Excel spreadsheet, and I collect the stories that happen during the week. Now, if a big story, and so what happens is right now it's pretty slow. Like it's quiet, and yeah. I don't want to. I don't <laughs> like to force things. Quite honestly, like I can tell. How about this? Um, when there's a what we know about the iPhone video and it's June and the thing isn't in September, that's someone <laughs> going to the well because they have to go to the well. Now, I do go to the well once in a blue moon, but I really try not to. And I think that it helps for my sanity because we're around this so much. It's like, how many times are you going to say the same thing, right? And so, um, but what I do is I collect, I see what's going on, collect the stories, see, see what matters. And then I try to typically put together either a weekly show or two videos per week. Um, that are kind mm -hmm. of news wrap-ups. And it's literally a spreadsheet. I look at all the stories. As I look at the stories, I create a flow in my mind what makes sense to logically connect this product to this product or if there's a story or a feature that links these together. Um, I try and do that. And I just kind of create a flow. It comes from my background is working in news of kind of creating basically like a rundown. Yeah, right, 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 yeah, right. Yeah. And so, um, and as I do that, then I'm reading the articles, I'm writing this, the show, I put in my quirks, I kind of try and connect things here and there, and um, that becomes my script for the show. And then I just kind of attack it, shoot it like literally in this studio, and um, and then. So you're not fully fully scripted. Then it's kind of like almost a headlines and bullet. Well, kind of how about this? Points. It's like it's honestly like ninety percent scripted because I the thing that's different for me is I deliberately deliberately write exactly how I talk. I think it's one of the biggest things that people can to break norms like i could talk in the camera but i don't like actually i don't like jump cuts even though that's a youtube mm -hmm. thing because to me i mm -hmm. wanted people to feel like they're literally just sitting down watching with me the entire time and it feels like it's just a single flow mm -hmm. so my that's mm -hmm. my that's how i approach my videos i know not everyone does but i like the idea of like oh it feels like i'm talking to someone who is talking to me this entire time and not breaking contact if if that makes mm -hmm. sense um so and then thumbnails, where does that fit into it? So some creators say they start with a thumbnail and work the video to that. Really? Others, you know, where does, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I heard Marquez say that actually on they one of his podcasts. start with the thumbnail and then make the video? I'm sure it was him I heard say that's that crazy. he starts with the thumbnail and then works to that because they kind of know that's going to be the show card for the video. Right, we've got that down. And I can see the logic. It's tough, 
But I, I just wondered where it falls for you because, again, your thumbnails are beautiful, which they need to be, yeah, but right. they hit the mark, you know. <laughs> yeah, man, they, they're, they're lovely th thumbnails. You know, some people have just got it and others haven't, and clearly you've got that creative bent that gives you the talent to make a, a catchy thumbnail that's not clickbaity but makes you want to watch it. Uh, so where does that fall into your process? And do you get the video pretty much finished and done before you make the thumbnail? Yeah, I make my thumbnail at the very end. I mean, at the at the end of my video when I shoot it, I have to do the stupid face poses and then figure out what makes the most sense. Um, I'm actually really lucky. I took a design graphics class in college that taught me Photoshop. You know, I was just going to say you were Photoshop, but you are, yeah. I knew I wanted to do multimedia, and I honestly, I mean, I think this is good advice for everyone. If you have a field, if you kind of know what you want to do, you need to be a sponge. You need to absorb as much knowledge. The fact that I can shoot, write, edit, and do Photoshop and record a podcast, like, damn, I feel lucky that I have those skills to be able to do this. Again, it's a whole lot of work, but without yeah. those skills, it's, you know, you don't, it's hard, right? It's like, you got to have some, or you have to pay someone to help you do that, which is a lot, you know, I did, you know, you're not making, most people are not making enough money on YouTube to pay someone to make stills for them. Like Marquez is at a whole different level than 99% <laughs> yeah. of creators. Right. And mm. so, and he's an awesome dude. I mean, we, we go way back. Um, it's funny. He tells me like, you're one of the few people that I could say I've watched the most in you on YouTube, like constantly over the years. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of crazy to think. Um, really, really good dude. Uh, but you know, he's at another level where he has like a team of like mm. four or five people now, right? Mm. He has a massive studio. Mm. And so the burden of some of that stuff can be lifted and then he can focus on, you know, the content right? and, and really do some cool things with it. So I just think having all those skills is important to quote unquote survive in this kind of content creator uh, world. The other crazy thing was, you made me call, I said early on that my other job is I've got a graphic design mm -hmm. business. And yet I realized my thumbnails early on were awful. They were absolutely <laughs> crap because I just wasn't bringing the skills that I had. I thought, and then I, it was only probably two, three months ago, I thought, you know what, I can actually do a much better job of this. Don't try and copy the YouTube idea of arrows, every, you know, be your own, as you said, bring your voice to it. So kind of how they're looking at the moment is kind of how I would design if a client came to me and was paying for them, you know, much mm -hmm. cleaner, very vibrant. And, and it's exactly what you were just saying about being yourself and not being afraid. You know, if that's how I want them to look, that's how I'm going to make them, you know? You know, like, I mean, I know on a scale of one to 10, my Photoshop skills are probably around a seven and a half or an eight. That's pretty good enough to be able to do YouTube mm, stills, mm. right? So, you know, I mean, I, I know there's some people that have people that can, that'll spend like half a day on their YouTube still. And like, that's awesome. I don't have that time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think... I just learn to, we we can always, the less we compare ourselves to each other, the better. I mean, everyone kind of pulled, trust me, like, you know, I've been inspired by creators. I definitely have seen other creators deliberately do specific things. No, I'm like, oh, you, I'm not saying like this in any cocky way, but it's like, okay, clearly you saw what I did, you know? Yeah, and you're taking a steal. So the whole idea of like, Look, at the end of the day, that's why it's important to find your voice and be who you are because no mm -hmm. one can be you. You know, I mean, this is just don't try to be everyone else. Just be yourself and let the cards fall how they fall. And I'm lucky enough to say that because they have worked out for me. But I really think that's really important for people to embrace who they are, be comfortable with who they are, and then just let the cards fall how they fall and get better and, and, it, and continue to improve. Absolutely. And, and what I'm learning is that comes through in everything, even down to the, the titles, to the, 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 the story right above the video or beneath the video. You know, your thumbnail, it's got to be you. Don't 
and clearly it, it comes with time, but you just need to find your own voice, your own style, your own beat, and just let everything settle down and people either hopefully like what you like or move on. But, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to establish, because if you're not yourself, it's going to come out as a lie soon enough anyway, isn't it? It's just, I mean, people will be like, ah, oh, it's the same stuff. And, you know, a lot of us are covering the same beat. So you've got to yeah, be exactly. different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I My difference it. is being British. I'm going to strike that it. one. I'm going to use it. the British I voice. I love that, man. I mean, like I told you earlier, like, I'm going to have you on my podcast. I need the Brit in the house, man. We need I'll the, do the full the British. Texture. I'll do the late night radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, I know you've got places to be, Brian. So I've got a couple more questions yes. to ask you. So we, we come inside and both happen to use Photoshop, but I want to know about your audio and your video workflow, because I'm an Adobe boy, so for me it's Audition and uh, Premiere Pro. What are you? You're a Logic Man, so or you're you're so you're so pro. Okay, I, you know I felt very honored. Hey, I pay for it through the business, so I might as well use it, right? <laughs> you, I feel very honored that you said that my audio sounded pretty good to you. So I literally oh, yes, I have a road I have a road microphone. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not, mm -hmm. I was thinking, you know what? I was thinking just to mess with my audience to get one of the sure, uh, what is it? The SMB is it the SMB? Oh, the SM7Bs. The SM7Bs because everyone raves about it. And I just always had a road and no one's complained about, but I wanted to change it without telling people and see mm -hmm. if they could, if someone ended up writing, oh, your audio sounds mm -hmm. different. Or if they There'll say, I love audio right? nerd out there. It, trust there me. will be, right? But I haven't. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have my road mic. I have it. I go into a mixer. And then I have mm -hmm. it digitally go directly into um, my Mac. And I, believe it or not, I record through GarageBand. <gasps> I Seriously? I dead, I, you not. You know, Jesus. I've, I've never learned, I've never learned, um, shoot, not Pro Tools. What's the other? It's Logic, isn't it? It's not Logic. It's logic there's Logic Pro Tools, but there's another, what's what's the other audio oh. capture? It's like, my friend uses it when we record our music all the time. The, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, God, it's so it's on the tip of my tongue. No, I know what you mean because it's a trade standard, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. I know it's not Pro Tools. It's I know there's one other one out there. Uh, God, it'll come to us. I'm sure. I know the one you mean. Though. Yeah, kill me. yeah. Um, but so yeah, I, I go right right into GarageBand. Um, I just have a leveler after I record everything, and then I push it through. But I've always really liked the audio quality that I've gotten for you know with li the little expertise that I have. Um, in audio, quite honestly. So that's the, your idea. Uh, the, 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 yeah, because I mean, I, I say radio is the background, but I used to, I've got my own studio. So it was always a case I would work on my audio. I didn't go to their studio. So I had to make sure that my audio was was on it. And then of course, making podcasts and so on. A big part of what I used to do is I was into, I was a jazz host for many, mm. many years. Uh, and so I was interviewing a lot of, I had uh, an Eastwood song, I had Carl Eastwood on and things like that. And that's, you don't want to screw up when you've got guests like that. You don't, you want the audio to sound good. Um, and, and so I just cut my teeth that way. But the biggest thing that I liked about yours, I said it's not over-processed because you can always tell when it's either over-compressed and it's too crispy or somebody's trying to make it sound all very zingy and radio-y, but yours has got that natural sound to it. So, you know, yeah, you can tell there's a bit of light compression there, but nothing too heavy, which is what I like about it. And clearly you're in a good environment as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that, you know, so yeah, I just wanted to get to the bottom of your software. And you, your videos, what do you edit videos in? You're, I'm I guessing. I use Premiere. I'm not a Final oh, Cut. Oh, you're in a Premiere. I'm not a Final hey. Cut Pro person. I learned so I learned on the original Final Cut Pro. I've always loved. I've I've actually used um, Avid Systems too before back in the day. But I learned on original Final Cut Pro as well and Premiere, and that's that's how I like my non-linear editing software. The new Final Cut, I never got on board with, and I've I've gone so far down the rabbit hole. Like I'm just more efficient with Premiere, and I do like the fact that if it push comes to shove, I could edit on Premiere on any system. 
I just like that idea. Yeah. Not that it is important yeah. for some people, but um, Final Cut Pro, I want, here's the thing, I want to learn Final Cut Pro. I know there's so many more advantages, how it renders in the background real time. It makes your exports faster. But if it's going to take me two to three weeks to get proficient in it, that's going to really slow down what I do. And um, I'm not I'm not willing to take that, to use that time exactly. for it. That's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And I know it's a great yeah. product, but I also know it also has its own things. And so, you know, things to learn. And I'm just not, um, yeah, I just never, I, I just never got the whole, not got, I get it, but I never could jump on board with kind of their magnetic timeline and things like that. And so it just felt too different for me. And so I'm happy with Premiere Pro. And yeah, it has its issues, software updates once in a while, but overall, I mean, it's it's been good to me. Yeah, I mean, of course, I was an Adobe boy anyway, coming yep. from Photoshop and InDesign, and then everything in Adobe kind of works the same. Mm -hmm. If you know, and certainly working in Audition, going over to Premiere, there were so many similarities that it kind of made sense pretty quickly. So although self-taught, yeah, you can begin to understand how the whole process works. So I really will be letting you go soon. I know you've got places to go. So you're in, you're in Premiere Pro and you're on Apple Silicon, as am I now, three weeks ago for the first time ever. I started working Apple Silicon, MacBook Pro, 16-inch, 32 gigs of unified memory, Ooh. four terabytes of storage, Ooh. and a studio display, and no money in the bank account. That <laughs> is how I am rolling right now. But uh, the man, the difference from Intel to Apple Silicon. It's a game changer. Mm. I mean, how, 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 mm. have, how have you felt it in, not only have you felt it in probably every way, it's, it's quiet. It, it doesn't get hot. That's the other thing. I mean, speeds clearly. I mean, for my sort of eight, 10 minute videos that are around about, I suppose, the finish size is around about 10 gigs. It used to be taking 40 minutes. And it's a decent spec iMac that I had, uh, albeit 2015, but it was a graphic, you know, it was well spec for my business, but it was taking 40 minutes to render out because I didn't spec it for video back then. This is down to eight to 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That sounds right. And the other thing, last Saturday, this is, this is no lie. I'd been working too late on Saturdays recently, like 8.30, 9 o'clock, finishing off with the video for the weekend. And it got to 1.30 this weekend. On a Saturday afternoon, I thought, I think I'm done. And the thing was, <laughs> it was rendering, and I was using Photoshop at the same time. So I could actually double my output. Mm. And it's like, man, I, I, I think I'm finished. I was typing up the, the, you know, the, the timestamps and getting the chapters ready while it was still rendering. And how can this be happening? Yeah, so. It's amazing. It's amazing. Because, of course, you've just done a video on the Mac Studio and the Studio Display. Because you took your time on that, didn't you? You didn't want to rush at it. You wanted to actually keep away from everyone else's reviews, look at it and work with yourself. And you had guests and friends from the trade come in and use the Mac Studio. I, just, I thought it was super important. Like, uh, look, I have... It was one of the, sometimes, you know, look, first of all, A, I'm really fortunate to, in general, get early access to products from Apple. I mean, obviously it helps. Mm -hmm. Even that, like in the mm -hmm. SEO rankings, blah, blah, blah. But I don't always. The Mac Studio was a product that I did not get from them early. And so when I watched, you know, after what I do is I literally, I don't watch anyone's reviews until mine is done. I've always held to that because I don't want to get influenced by anyone. I don't want to say something that they've said in the same way they've said it. I think it's mm -hmm. it's just a rule that I've always um, held true to. And I think it's worked to my advantage when, I, again, I don't necessarily care. Do I want some of my videos perform well? Yeah. But when people say in the comments, no one did their review like this, I really appreciate it. That means I did my job, right? That's what makes me different. That's what makes someone come back to my channel you've been brought, down yeah. the road. Yep. Whereas, you know, I know when we get the products early and everyone is scrambling for them, it's like I do my damnest to not just read the bullet points of the new thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Some, 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 some when of they, 
Oh, go ahead. When they send the product through to you early, uh, which I'm guessing is what, two, three weeks before uh, general release, something like that? Typically less than a week. Less than a week. So uh, is the expectation that you will have a video out on release day? Is that what they're asking of you or is that down to you still? It's down to you still, but what I'm saying is that you're going to get the best performance if you drop it when that... On the embargo. embargo yeah. Because there's probably... That's when the heat's there, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But what's interesting is that there's been times where... Uh, when I didn't get the product and I still just did my review, put my head down, put it out a week later, and it's done better than videos that I've put out on the embargo. So mm, that's why mm. I'm just like, the algorithm is the algorithm. I can't control it. I've just got to be able to do good work. Um, you know, sometimes you could do an unboxing of a product and unboxings are a dime a dozen now, right? You can do an unboxing of a product and I used to always be against unboxings and my friend's like, hey, just make it, just do it different a little bit. And it's part, like it's comes with the territory. If you have a product and you have it early, just unbox it. I'm like, fine. Okay. Like you're right. Like don't be above unboxing. Like if that makes any sense. And so, so yeah. So sometimes so they do yeah, well, go, sometimes go. they don't. And I'm just like, well, it just comes to the territory. Just do it. The embargo drops are kind of from, from a, a watcher point of view. Uh, there's too much on a given day. You know, mm -hmm. in the UK, it tends to be 2 p.m. lunchtime on a given day. It's like bang, 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 bang. <laughs> suddenly, you know, we'll be getting the iJustines, the market, everyone's suddenly dropping the same video. So it's actually quite refreshing that another big tuber took some time away. And, and then, you know, once the heat's died down a little bit, we can come back to it. Oh, okay, right. You know, we can actually sit back and enjoy it. So I think it's a smart move not to try and join in that melee of must release on embargo day because there's so much content to take it's, in. It's a lot. I mean, I think that the whole like, strike when the iron's hot it works you know it helps it's all about again that's all algorithm driven right so mm -hmm. i just hold true to the fact that like i'm gonna try and i'm gonna do reviews and things my way and people will figure it out or not but you know when i sometimes see other reviews and it's like dude all you did was just read the five bullet points and <laughs> i know you have a massive audience and you can get a you, like it's just gravy for you it's like well that's that's because they've earned that over time right like I don't look mm -hmm. at that's, but so then it's how am I supposed to help elevate my craft is to make a better review in my mind. And so yep, yep. if that means offering different perspectives that you'll see in no other review, um, that's important. Like my headphone reviews with the AirPods Max, I bought these like these special microphones that are called binaural mics that you can- So that we can hear you can what hear, you're right, hearing. Right? And so I'm just gonna say, I know a specific creator that finally, that literally bought the same mic a year later and someone put me on it. And literally the the reason why I can say, oh, he explained, not only did he explain it, like some of the samples or ideas he used to describe the mics were exactly what I did, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that is, I don't respect that, right? Like you can use the same equipment, but don't show off demos to explain it exactly the same way. Like I know, I know you're, I know you're watching it, right? I know you're mm. watching mine. And so mm. that's why it's important. Like just be yourself. Cause guess what? People are going to do the same thing that you do. And you're, you just, that's just how it is. <laughs> that's how it, Apple copies, Samsung copies. That's just how it is. And so two questions for you. First of all, about you, future plans for the channel. Where do you see it going? Well, I've been trying to like whip up. Everyone wants me to bring back kind of like something like a prize fight versus series. It's it's um kind of a signature series that I did back in my old place. And I've been working on 
kind of getting some graphics up. But I guess the biggest part is because I'm on my own, it's hard to like say, oh, I'm going to take a week away just to work on that to get it all done when I've got to keep on putting out um, enough content. I think, content yeah, yeah, I think that's something that I'll I'll look into just finding time to just basically disappear for a week because that's, that's also how you get better. You kind of have to step away and increase your skill set or to bring new things to the table. Um, so that's one thing that I want, that I really am trying to target to bring back this year is a ver some sort of a versus series, but in a very stylized way. Um, and then future wise, I mean, I'm just, to be honest, I, I love tech. I love this geek tech culture space. Um, I'm going to Star Wars Celebration tomorrow uh, in LA and to cover that and just kind of have fun and enjoy it. But I think as long as I'm loving what I'm doing and I can continue to have fun doing it, I will always do it. And if it can pay the bills, then that's even awesomer. And uh, an awesomer is a word. <laughs> I was just going to add it to the dictionary right now. Uh, it, I think I'm using it tomorrow's a, it's book. A, it's an awesome, you know, and I just feel very fortunate and grateful to be able to do this. Quite honestly, I think that... Um, it, when when my nieces and nephews, when young people are polled, and I mean, maybe it's a, it shows the state of where we are as a society, when young people's goal is to be a YouTuber, and I guess I'm a, I guess I'm a YouTuber. Um, I think so. That's cool. I'm thinking so. That's yeah. cool. I mean, it's cool. It's, we're very fortunate to be able to do this, to make videos for a living. Damn, I would have never thought it. I know people have to go and do actual real work. It strikes yeah. me sometimes you go out and people are working hard out there. Absolutely, <laughs> so, absolutely. And uh, then the very last question: WWDC is about ten days away from now. What's your hopes? What are you thinking we might see? Where are you at with the headset? <clears throat> so hopes and dreams. I mean, I need. Mm -hmm. I've kind of talked about it in some of my videos. I need to see a much better iPad OS. I think that that has, even though they changed the UI for multitasking and use of multi apps, um, the iPad OS is still not doing enough with the power that we have. I'm not asking for them to give us Mac OS. I'm asking them to bring more to the table and bring a Final Cut Pro, a lot, bring some level of pro apps because it's their ecosystem. Like they could do it. Uh, mm -hmm. So I also need a lot more from Watch OS. I think Watch OS last year specifically arguably did nothing new that we actually use on a daily basis. Uh, they showed off photos on the Apple Watch last year as a main feature. No, no. No, no one's using photos on their <laughs> Apple Watch. Like, I don't know a single soul. I don't know a single soul doing that. <laughs> I really don't. Um, so, you know, I the Apple Watch is kind of really more restricted by the fact that these health sensors just take so much time. There's so you much know, time. So I understand that. I'm not mad at Apple about that. I never would be, but that's where the And they've got to get those right, haven't they? You Clearly, got to. they've got health implications. You've so got if you're doing to. a blood glucose thing, it's got to be right. Yeah. It's going to take years for that. We're, health directly. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. ways out for that. Um, from a product standpoint, you know, all indications and reports and talking to Mark Gurman himself said that the original plan was to have the new M2 MacBook Air ready for WWDC, but that mm -hmm. depending on how the factories have been really affected long term um, with the shutdowns because of the pandemic and other issues out there, uh, that may or may not happen. So, you know, my expectation from WWDC really is pretty tempered. Like, I just want to see great new stuff from the OSs. And if they can surprise me with hardware, cool, but I'm not really expecting it right now. And I don't. So you're not hanging your hat on it. You don't think we get the Mac Pro then, uh, or at least a look at what the Mac Pro is going to be? Mm. I mean, it would make sense to show it off like a sneak peek. They've done that before where the mm. trash can one, they did a little form, video montage. Yeah. So if we get yeah. a little maybe video montage sneak peek, I mean, Apple is outright 
you know, from what it was two or three years ago when they said, we're working on a new Mac Pro, just letting you know, they've, they've outright hinted at it at the last keynote, like, oh, that's not the only Mac that we have come in. So they're, they're, they're telling us they can show us a little something. So yeah, I, I like that thinking. I like that. If, if they can drop us a little sneak peek, 30 second teaser, I'm good. Like I, hey, who knows if you've got oh, go if ahead. you've got some spare time after WWDC, maybe we can uh, have a chat about what went on. Oh and, yeah, oh yeah. See I, what, I, what happened. I think I need to I'm have you. Sure. I think I need to have you on my podcast for that. Okay, let's do something. Like that. Well, my men are being touched. I'm expensive. But, you yeah, know, I know. I don't come cheap. I know. I know. How, I know how it is in this world. I know how it is. <laughs> and and it, it was interesting. I was looking at all your social tags, and it's it's Brian Tong everywhere. I mean, I'll leave some links as if people need them in the notes of this uh, podcast. But on Instagram, Nostra Tungus. <laughs> That got me smiling. That got me smiling. <laughs> okay. Can we know why? Can we yes, know why? Yes. Is, it, is it broadcastable? Go on. Then. Yeah, yeah, it is totally broadcastable. So Give it back to me. in the day, you know, I'm influenced I'm influenced from like kind of the cheeky campy humor where char- people would dress up in multiple characters. So like my music video alter ego is BTZ. My I right. had I have um I used to have this character every time Apple would release a new OS, it was like Marco Sierra and he had this wig and he's like really fashionable and kind of like I don't know what he was was he like a euro like foreign traveler with pizzazz and style and big sunglasses who knows but then I also had a, a prediction uh, segment that I used to do where it was green screen and I'd float and levitate and I'd wear like a genie costume and it, <laughs> the name of the character was Nostradamus instead of Nostradamus because we were predicting we things go. so yep. that is I actually did have a Brian Tong Instagram and then I signed up for it so early. I didn't use it. I think they just let my name go. Someone else took it. They're not using it, but someone basically took my, cause Facebook sucks. Um, they, they took my, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing over there. They, uh, the, my, my Brian Tong tag left me. So I'm like, forget this. I'm going no Shatonga. So that's the only place where it's different. Yeah. It did make me smile when I was looking around today. And Nostra Tonga, it's got to ask you about that one. So, <laughs> hey, Listen, man, I, I mean, you've got to get ready for your Star Trek convention tomorrow. Uh, sorry, uh, Star Wars. Don't worry, I'm not going to hold that Trek. against you while some people would. <laughs> I, it's never been my bag, fun enough. I've never it's got fine. into those I'm movies. Just not gonna, I'm not one of those people uh, like, really, David? Really? Yeah. And you call me David, not Dave. I hate it oh when people call me Dave. Seriously? So for that, I thank you. Oh, it's the biggest. I used, I, do, I used to do this thing of if somebody picked up the phone and said, hey, Dave, no, Dave's not here. I used to put the phone down because I, I really... I. I I'm that affected. I know I'm terrible, Rid. I need to. I need to learn just to crank it back in a little that's bit. A, that's you know, okay. We, we all got in. our. We we all got our t- ticks. You know, it's okay. It's yeah, haven't we just? Haven't we just? So, hey, Brian, it's fantastic. It's been a real pleasure to overrun with you so long. But hey, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Thank, Thank you so, you so much. much. It was time. fun. And hopefully, we can catch up again soon. Yes, let's Enjoy do it. Everything you're about to do. Let's do it. Let's do it. And for you, Brian, I, for you, real quickly, I encourage you continue success. Keep on, keep on attacking it. Enjoy the journey. That's, I know too many people that don't enjoy it. And what's the point if we're not enjoying it? Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm really up for it now. When this is recorded, I'm going to go and finish the video. That I'm going to post and schedule. I'm actually scheduling on US times now because of the three people that watch my videos at the moment, <laughs> um, two of them are in the United States. So I figure I might as well schedule it for the States. Yes, so yes, it goes out yes. like early evening your time, yes. you know, So because no one's watching over here. They're bored of me. So. Beautiful. So there you go. Brian, 
Thank you so much indeed. I hope we get the chance to catch up again. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon, all right? I know Brian was super busy, so I'm really grateful that he managed to make the time to speak to us on Minus 16. I'll be leaving details in the podcast notes of where you can find Brian on all of his socials. And don't forget to check him out on Facebook. And of course, Return of the Mac. I've been watching it again since I uh, spoke to Brian. It's as good as I remembered it. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. If you want to get in touch with me between podcasts, you can email me, david at talkingtechandaudio.com. Don't forget to check out my brand new website and let me know what you think. And you you can find me over on Twitter. DM me there if you want to get in touch. D Talking Tech. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time just after WWDC. We'll be putting that apart and having a look at what went on. So I hope to catch you then. See you soon. Bye.